You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 288 of Podcateers. This is the final episode of 2019, the final episode of the decade. And in this episode, we recap all of the Armchair Imagineering episodes of 2019. We had a bunch of great ideas and some that, well, weren't. (laughs) But hey, it's blue sky, right? Uh, You know, we didn't talk much about this in the episode, but all of the other episodes throughout each month have been a lot of work, a lot of research, but I think I speak for all of us when I say that it's been very rewarding to provide something that we hope is fun to listen to and that maybe it teaches you something along the way. Uh, we're really looking forward to continuing uh, you know, that type of format and those types of episodes in 2020. Uh, before we jump in, although I mentioned some of this uh, on the podcast, I just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. It really means a lot to us that you take time out of your day to listen to us and to support us, interact with us, and recommend us to others. Uh, It's been a great year with a lot of growth for the podcast, and that couldn't have happened without you. And of course, uh, a very special thank you, as always, has to go out to our podcast fairy godparents, the FGP squad, because uh, it's their monthly support via Patreon that has played a really big role in helping make these episodes possible. So uh, I just want to extend our gratitude to all of you and tell you that we appreciate all of the support that you give us in whatever way you do it, whether it's using our Amazon link, just simply telling somebody about the podcast. It doesn't matter. It all collectively helps us grow. And we're very uh, appreciative of that. So thank you. Um I think it's time to jump in. It's a long episode because we had a lot to go over. So uh, regardless of the holiday that you celebrate, I hope that you're having a wonderful time with friends and family. And uh, cheers to a wonderful new year. Cheers to 2020. So let's get it started. Here is episode 288 of Podcateers. Ready for this? This is where we needed video. Because of my world-class head bopping? Yeah. Well, I figured that that's a song that Gavin's familiar with because they play it at the at the round ball going through the circle thing arenas. Yeah. What's it called? Basketball? Um, It's called Hoops. 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 Yeah, I don't know about that, but I know that that's the song they play, and then people burst through paper, and then they start posing, then there's there's pictures. This might be high school basketball that you're referring to. What? (laughs) Hmm. I think so. I think I'm out of the sports game, so to speak. I don't think LeBron crashed through a piece of paper since he was about 17 years old. I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't believe it. It seems like something he would do on a regular basis. Maybe in his driveway with his kids. He's like, I'm LeBron James. Get that paper <laughs> up for me. <laughs> That's how it works. Sports, athletes, and stuffs. Yep. It's like you're oh, an expert. That's right. So this is the last episode of the year. 
Yep. I know. This is all come down to this. The the Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year episode because although we're going to be recording the the next episode in 2019, it's going to be released on the very first day of 2020, a brand new decade. And I'm pretty excited about next year there's a lot of changes coming there's a lot of personal improvement changes that that are happening and it's good i'm looking forward to it sweet yeah it's hard to believe 2019 is already over yeah this decade man (laughs) yeah what a crazy crazy time uh although i i am thinking about next year i think in my head uh all i keep thinking is does your heart hold the magic of the holidays? Is it filled with warm memories? Just waiting to be discovered again? Well, now is the time to open your heart and believe in that magic. And remember those treasured moments. Oh, they're still there, deep within you, waiting to touch you once more. So come along as the magic of the season leads the way. Can you remember how Christmas makes you feel? That special. Come on, come I don't on. Know nobody what this is. I, I, we, you, oh. you were perfect on yourself by yourself. Yeah, we were just letting you go oh. on your own little right. journey there. I don't know what that is though. Are you seriously? Yeah. What is that? That's from the Disneyland fireworks. Yeah. Oh, I, I haven't seen the holiday fireworks. Yeah, it's my favorite time of year, man. And mm. uh, Disneyland decided to kick me out the joint. Aww. <laughs> I, mean, I think we're all in the same boat. Yeah, we are. <laughs> it's okay. I'll just sit here and be like, remember the caring, <laughs> a season worth sharing. Believe <laughs> in the magic of our lives. Just open up your heart. See, what <laughs> we would be doing is getting the... the the snow ready. Yeah, there you go. See, we would be making like off. the bubbles and everything. <laughs> we need the backup. We should do a YouTube video next year when we're blocked out again, and we'll do that version. <laughs> <laughs> we'll it's find a main like street. We'll find a main street somewhere because they're all over the place. <laughs> and then we'll take a little video of that main street, maybe in Anaheim. And then, like you said, we'll get some bubbles. Gavin will stand in the background and basically beatbox the fireworks. <laughs> there we go. Run around singing in the bubble stream. <laughs> I feel oh, magical already. That is funny. Okay, well, uh, this is uh, this is going to be a, a really good episode because uh, we're going to get a chance to recap basically every single armchair imagineering episode that we've done in 2019 uh this this has been such a fun concept you know we had done armchair imagineering before but it just kind of came up here and there i think we did maybe two or three episodes maybe two I, i don't remember but the point is that it wasn't as consistent as we did it this year so when gavin brought up the concept at the end of last year and said hey we should do this Oh, man, I didn't realize how fun and how stressful and how much I was going to hate Gavin <laughs> on some months for picking certain <laughs> topics. So but this you know is what? the this is the episode where you guys present me with my championship trophy, right? Uh, I mean, look, we tallied up all the votes and I'm sorry to tell you what 
You didn't Uh-oh. win, buddy. This is a travesty. <laughs> it's hogwash, I say. Something's rigged. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny. I <laughs> I wanted to to get some feedback from listeners as far as like what their favorite armchair imagineering episodes were so that we could talk about them in this podcast. And we did get some responses. We'll talk about them later on in the in the episode. But then uh FGP squad member Anita kind of summed it up and and I wasn't really thinking straight when I when I posted it but she says oh man there's so many you're gonna have to remind me about them and I thought huh that (laughs) that even applies to me because even (laughs) I don't remember all of them right (laughs) so I think we're gonna repost the same question after this episode goes up and it'll be interesting to hear you know what stands out the most for some of our listeners, and we'll talk about it in the next episode, obviously. We did, uh, like I said, we did get a, uh, some feedback on some of them, and we'll we'll touch on a couple of those later in the episode. But uh, I think it's time to get started, because we got 12 months of podcasts to go Whoa. over, guys. Bring it. <laughs> Let's see. I don't even think I remember much. <laughs> well, so I took notes this past week. I was re-listening to the episodes. I took some notes. And I'll give you just a few words to kind of recall what the main ideas of those episodes were. Mm -hmm, I don't think I'm going to touch on every single idea because let's face it, there were some things that we said that maybe should never have been said. And (laughs) others that we (laughs) would like to remind Disney that they owe us money for. And others (laughs) where we're going to be like, Rebecca Campbell, this is where you should be listening. Yeah. I don't remember if that was the same jingle that we used the last time. <laughs> no, but I, I like that one. <laughs> but I figured it had to be inserted somewhere. So let's go all the way back to January and let's talk about Tomorrowland, where oh, we armchaired yes. Imagineered in episode 241. Now, uh, in that episode, the top three ideas that we had was Gavin wanted to give us Flynn's user gateway. Melissa yeah. wanted to give us a Meet the Robinson style attraction and restaurant. Oh, right. And then I wanted to just rejigger all of Innoventions and turn it into the Axiom in a very void style attraction. A dark ride and stuff. So uh, that's also the episode where Gavin tried to make fetch happen. And it just <laughs> didn't happen, but that's okay. We love them anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's hilarious. So where do we want to start with this? Because there's so much we can talk about. Uh, how do you want to approach this? I mean, I just kind of wanted to walk down memory lane, so to speak, and, and talk about the things we really, that we still like think about and, and are like, yeah, that's a great idea. Um, I think Tomorrowland was an epic place for us to start because you know we we all have big ideas about Tomorrowland and it is mm-hmm. one of the lands that is about big ideas and I I feel like an overhaul of Tomorrowland presents probably the biggest challenges of any land in uh, Disneyland proper so the fact that we all came up with mega e-ticket re-theming uh, of certain areas or even the whole uh, land itself um, was a great start for us. Uh, I thought it set a really good tone and a good foundation for the rest of our armchair Imagineering episodes. 
And, you know, I, I think it was a that was probably our best battle royale is that very first one, because I feel yeah. like our ideas were all so big and epic and awesome. And they all use the exact same footprint, basically. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that it was really like, no, I'm using that building. No, I'm using that building. Uh, but it was really cool. And I think it speaks to the fact that there is so much out there that Disney could leverage to make a better, more dynamic, more interesting Tomorrowland than we have right now. There are some great, great things about Tomorrowland, but there are some terribly uh, even dilapidated areas of Tomorrowland now and and some underused pieces and some vacancies that have never been filled in, in a long, long time. So uh, to me, this was one of my favorite ones that we did. I think it kicked it off really well. Yeah. Yeah, we were really ambitious. And I think we were just excited because it was the first one. We got our first month done and we just wanted to, you know, knock it out. So I'm trying, I'm still trying to remember all the, all the ideas and I can't remember, but um, yeah, the top three. Those are really good. I think yeah. one of the great things that I know that you and and me, Melissa, had ideas for restaurants as part of our concepts. I don't remember if Hazen's had any sort of restaurant idea, but I, I think those were some of the stronger concepts for that episode because <clears throat> that side of the park doesn't have a real good, yeah. like solid eatery, you know, like the other side of the park has all of the best food, you know, it'd be really cool to spread it out a little and bring a really good eating spot over to Tomorrowland. You bite your tongue, sir. The intergalactic grill is just, look, I mean, I, I like a $14 (laughs) tiny hamburger as much as everybody else, but $14 tiny dry hamburger. Oh, I forgot the dry part. Yes. The (laughs) magical dryness. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I, and I think that is still something that that side of the park ne- desperately needs. I'm glad that they are coming through with their promise to invest this upcoming budget in existing things, you know, with refurbishments and, you know, um, con- kind of continuing Project Stardust, so to speak. But I, I really want them to do some some work in Tomorrowland and bring us some some new offerings. And I think a restaurant is a key element to that. Yeah, uh, my idea did not have uh, a, a restaurant uh, as part of my original pitch. However, I think the Axiom had so many shops and restaurants and amenities uh, on board the ship mm-hmm. that it would be simple to incorporate them. And it, the Axiom seems like those long forgotten malls in the center right. of town mm-hmm. where you have a food court and you could maybe get sponsorships again from companies like McDonald's or whatever you want, PF Chang's or whatever you're into. I don't know why those two came to mind right now, but <laughs> you know, the, the point is that you could have a food court with all of these other brands that, you know, could attract other people in that same sense. But uh, the restaurant idea that Mel had where we would be listening to Frankie sing while we were eating, I just thought was genius. I, yeah. I, I love Meet the Robinsons. Not to say that I don't like Tron, but uh, I think at the time just listening to Frankie sing and dance was just something that I felt would be just super cool. It would attract families, you know, not just like the the 
the, the people that are into Tron. You know, it seems like the Tron can be one of those properties that would segment out a fan base. And so it may not be as popular as the zaniness of Meet the Robinsons sure. around in Tomorrowland. Not to say that you can't execute Tron in a really fantastic way. Um, but, you know, that episode was interesting because at, towards the end, you mentioned that somebody that you knew had talked about this really interesting idea that, honestly, since January, I have not stopped thinking about. And I can't come to a good conclusion or a good way to segment out the idea. And that was the notion of what if we got rid of Tomorrowland altogether? And oh, what if yeah. Main Street and Fantasyland took over Tomorrowland and those two areas simply expanded? Because, you know, Tomorrowland, it's it's Tomorrowland, but it's also kind of Yesterland. And mm -hmm. there's not much you can do yeah. to consistently keep it as Tomorrowland. Um, Mel, you made a great point saying, you know, you would miss it. And mainly, I think many people would miss it because it's part of the DNA of the park, right? It was one of the yeah. original lands. And although it's never been that futuristic, you know, except for those first 10 years, maybe, um, it, it does hold a special place in many people's hearts. Yeah, I... <sighs> The problem here is uh, centralized around Space Mountain. Uh, you you, you got to be able to relocate that effect because you can't you can't get rid of Space Mountain. I'm sorry. Well, no, you, just, you can't. You just can't. No. So it's got to move to DCA or it's got to move to another area where it makes sense. Um, I don't know if if that it is in Disneyland or not, but that to me is the biggest problem. The other problem is. Part of Main Street's appeal is its quaintness, is its, you know, you know what it is. If we try and expand it, um, you know, I don't know what else there is to bring that hasn't been. You know, I know the ideas of Edison Street and um, what was the World Avenue or whatever. I, I don't remember. International Street, International Street. You know, those ideas have been played out in various ways with Liberty Square and with um, the World Showcase and Epcot. Um, I don't know if anything on those scales could be brought to uh, an expansion of Main Street, but it would have to come with some attractions, uh, some reason for people to explore more in that area. Uh, you know, it, it, it might work, but... That's, that's a man. That's a difficult proposition. I can easily see Fantasyland expanding because we've seen that happen in Magic Kingdom already, right? Successfully, right. also. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's kind of a beautiful addition to the landscape, and with some bigger attractions, and like you know that spread makes sense. And you could kind of subsume Matterhorn and and really kind of embrace it into that fantasy landscape, and you know that might make a little more sense, but. To me, it all comes back to Space Mountain, and you can't get rid of Space Mountain. Yeah. I mean, if there's anything I've learned from these episodes is that all you have to do is double-click and then just kind of shift it around, and then you can move it to a whole new yeah. part of the park. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Tycoon. Okay, Tycoon. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. So uh, I think that there's 
a lot of great ideas that we talked about in this episode. But if I'm going to be subjective, uh, I'm going to say that I think Gavin's is the most realistic this episode. I think the having Flynn's user gateway and having the tiny little city and the restaurants and everything the way that you described it, I think is not not necessarily future proofing it in Tomorrowland, but it does a much better job of uh, giving us more longevity on the idea and the execution than some of the other things. Not that the axiom wouldn't, but you know, I, I think that as popular as things like Electronica were and as popular as things like the Tron coaster are around the world, uh, I think Flynn's user gateway would be the the best idea really to execute. If we had like the money and said, hey, you have to make a call on one of these, I would say Flynn's user gateway would win. What do you guys think? I'd be happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the thing is, I feel like there's enough room for more than that. So I, I could easily see us having a Meet the Robinsons area as well. Um, you know, in the way that Melissa described it, because to me, the submarines and Autopia can get the axe. You can double click on those anytime you want They're Right. You yes. Know, they've run their course and that's a huge amount of land there that could be used for uh, bigger and better and more interesting things. And my deal with Tomorrowland, as I said in that episode, is I don't want to focus on what we consider like the future and like actual um, science and technology um, looking forward. I want it to be steeped in science fiction, you know, in timeless things like Tron and Meet the Robinsons. And even Space Mountain is this kind of abstract idea, but it's it's not rooted in like actual like rocket science and space exploration. It's just a fun fantasy in a sci-fi setting. And, you know, that's that to me is evergreen. You know, it doesn't get yeah. it doesn't age. Yeah. You know, we're not tired of Space Mountain and there's a reason oh, for no. that. It's just <laughs> it's just great fun, you know, and that's what I'm all about uh, with Tomorrowland. So cool. What's yeah. next? So the month after that, episode 245, we discussed California Adventure and the top ideas for that episode uh, where Melissa wanted to take over the Redwood Creek Challenge Trail and turn it into Brownstone National Park. Right. And yes, I uh, we had talked a little bit about possibly bringing in the country bears to substitute the uh, Billy Hill and the Hillbilly show that we are missing at Disneyland that used to be at Big Thunder Ranch. Gavin talked about converting Grizzly Peak into a brave attraction. And that one, I think, spawned the most ideas from the three of us. And mm -hmm. I think we were able to collaborate into something that would be super exciting to, to uh, ride. And I wanted to basically tear down Parapixa Park and expand Disneyland <laughs> all the way to Catella and Harbor. <laughs> Uh, and it, it did pose it, you know, when I was listening back to this episode, I think when I was thinking about you, it, you understood where you went wrong. Is that what oh, you're about totally. to say? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing, you know, it's funny. It's one thing to listen to these episodes after we're done recording them as I'm editing them because I'm not listening to them with, for the sake of listening and paying attention and trying to really 
really take in and soak in all that information. I'm making sure that we remove all the sneezes and the coughs and all the knocks of the microphone, you know? So <laughs> that it, it's different when I'm editing, but I think this was so great going back to listen to all these episodes this week, because it really did allow me to listen more subjectively. And uh, you made a lot of really great points uh, about how the expansion that I had proposed where we tear down most of Pixar Pier or, or Paradise Pier at the time or, you know, whatever it was and expand and put Batu back there. There's still some things that I feel would still work or mm -hmm. would have worked had they been done a certain way, like like putting Batu back there. I still think that could have worked. <laughs> but the idea of expanding out and making it like an Epcot type rotunda with the other castles and the other princesses and then the separation of Sleeping Beauty Castle and the Esplanade. Like, when I heard that back, I was like, dude, what were you thinking? <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, you <laughs> Especially you with the train on, and the berm and everything. Yeah, you went full-on tycoon with that one. Yeah. You were just yeah. picking <laughs> things up and moving it. Like like one of those little slidey tile puzzles. You were just moving things around wherever you wanted. Yeah. So I admit, I, I went a little too far on that one. But you know what? It was still fun. Uh, I think there was a lot of great things that came out of that. Uh, one of the great things that Melissa brought up during the Grizzly Peak uh, portion of it was we were talking about the hard transition between being in Scotland and being in San Francisco from like one turn to the next. And Melissa had proposed that you would very lightly hear bagpipes and it would kind of start ramping up as you yes. went through. That was almost uh, it's essentially how you walk into Batu. Mm -hmm. You know, they slowly start ramping up all of those sounds. And I thought, huh, okay. You know, I, you, we're on the same wavelength as far as, you know, how we transition and how we build some of these things. With the exception of the Epcot-esque rotunda, I think <laughs> it all went pretty well. <laughs> but that Brave attraction, man, you know. That was really telling, good. Telling the story of, of Mordu the way that we described it. And adding all of the elements with Merida and yeah, I I could totally see this replacing that attraction at California Adventure. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this one in the lead up to the uh, this episode and I. I was thinking about the DCA attractions in general. You know, we've done a couple other armchair Imagineerings in the DCA park. And I think the things that we like to look at when we are getting creative are the attractions that remain from DCA 1.0 that still don't quite feel Disney or Disney enough. And mm -hmm. to me, like it was a no brainer to focus on the the attraction that was originally intended to be the icon of the park. Uh, we quickly know that was, you know, transitioned to the Mickey's Fun Wheel when they realized that that was, you know, the, the picture spot um, after a certain point. But, uh, yeah, so that that was my approach to that, you know, is that it doesn't feel Disney enough. It doesn't really tell a story. It doesn't really put you in a new place. It's just, you know. Let's do some rafting, bro. And that's it. You know, it's like, okay, cool. It's it's really fun. Don't get me wrong. I love that attraction. It's really fun to ride and get 
absolutely soaking wet every time. But I feel like they could do more Disney style storytelling and bring us some actual magic in that attraction, which doesn't exist. And to me, with the with the grizzly, the literal grizzly peak at the top and, you know, the wooded setting, it is just made for the story of the characters in Brave and to me it was it almost wrote itself like i i didn't really have to work hard for that one and that was why it just kind of fell into place for me um so yeah i i really enjoyed that one and then you guys came in with all kinds of like dog pile ideas and that was cool because i think that was one of our more collaborative episodes because of that you know it just yeah. that just kind of got the ball rolling and then we we came up with all kinds of ideas and s- some of what we talked about um, you know, having a nighttime trail in that back trail area where you could see wisps and things in the trees. Some of that came to fruition with the villains walkthrough thing yep. that they did at the Halloween party. The villains grove, you know, there were elements just like we talked about. And, you know, and we talked about that whole Redwood Creek challenge area. And I, I, I think we're doing some royalties on this one, guys. <laughs> oh, I agree. And I also really loved how you presented it. And I think that's what sparked everything to come out afterwards. Like once you presented that idea and it was just like, boom, boom, boom. Like things were just coming together. It just worked out. Honestly, I still would love to see this happen because, yeah, that attraction is missing out. I mean, it's it's a it's a fun attraction, but mm-hmm. you're missing like the spark. Yeah. The, just the magic yeah. of it you know that's what you're missing um so yeah that episode was actually a lot of fun because it's just having that, like how we were just going and going and then it just became like a beautiful thing right. <laughs> afterwards yeah. and it's interesting one of the uh, i didn't listen back to this one so i don't remember if we actually hit on this idea but it, it struck me as a good idea this week as i was thinking about it One of my favorite things that I thought of for that is in that um, area in front of the attraction where the giant wooden bear sculpture is right now. Mm -hmm. uh, My idea was to remove that and have the big circle of monolithic stones, you know, that you walk through along that path. And so you basically enter into that circle of stones as you enter the queue. Right. And Mm -hmm. to me, that sets the stage. But I thought of off to the right there, it would be cool. That shop that's like whitewater souvenirs or whatever it is. Um, If you could make that into the witch's hut and have like her wood carvings and stuff in there, I think that would be insanely cool. If you would have Boo's hut there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) According to the Pixar theory timeline. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was a fun one. I, 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 I liked that one a lot. Yeah, I would say that of that episode, that was probably the takeaway one, uh, especially considering that there's been so many attractions that have just more of an overlay replacement than mm-hmm. actual attraction replacement. This one's, like you said, it's kind of begging for that overlay. Yeah, It's, it's already set yeah. up in such a way that it would be so simple to convert it over to that property. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Merida doesn't, Merida doesn't have much representation around the parks and this would be a fantastic way to yeah. represent her. So, yeah. 
Okay, um, episode 249, we talked about Main Street USA. Now, this episode is one of the standouts of the year, and believe it or not, it's, I think, one of the ones that I get the most comments on, the most questions on, and the most cheers about when I see... uh, you know, listeners in the parks, when I get messages, wow. uh, primarily because of some of the things that we presented that would replace great moments with, with Mr. Lincoln and stuff. So let's go over some of the ideas. Um, Melissa talked about bringing the citizens of Main Street over from mm. DCA into the area. Yeah. I still think this is a great idea because they bring so much to Buena Vista Street that they yeah. would just add a much needed element that would play off of the Dapper Dans. It would play off of, you know, the people driving the cars around on Main Street. It would just add a, a little bit more of that dynamic element that it kind of almost feels like it's missing from Main mm-hmm. Street. Like, I like the fact that it's quaint, but it's a little too quaint. You know, like Buena Vista Street just seems like it's more rocking. You know, there's so much more activity happening. Yeah. And, you know, and that's without, you know, the 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 red car trolley boys now, you know, yeah. without having all of that. Uh, we don't have Five and Dime, but we do have the, the, the Disneyland band. You know, we've had the All-American band throughout the summer. So those additional elements and having those additional citizens walk around, I think would be fantastic for that area. Um, you also talked about having a, a specific dapper style store that would just oh, be dedicated yes. to yeah. that vintage style that I think would just, you know, in that era, uh, there was a lot of clothing that I think the dapper uh, inclined, let's say, uh, would really be interested in purchasing. And I think we, we felt that the biggest hurdle that they would come to is if they are essentially just selling like on Etsy or something like that, that they would need to be prepared to really fork out thousands and thousands and thousands of these pieces. And that's when Disney would probably say, well, give us your piece. We'll mass produce it or something like that. Right. So Mm -hmm. uh, still a great idea bringing essentially the Dapper Day Expo into Disneyland and just kind of making it a part of Main Street. Uh, Gavin talked about the animatronic Walt Disney had great moments with Mr. Lincoln that tells you the history of the park and talks about the influence that Abraham Lincoln had on him. He also proposed an idea where we revamp the interior of the Main Street Cinema, add a Barker and rework the movies with the get a horse treatment, which is kind of like that yeah. 2 slash 3D. <laughs> uh, and then I talked about maybe adding some Oswald cartoons to kind of mix in with, with the Mickey cartoons and kind of bringing Oswald into the mix, especially considering that he's no longer uh, at California Adventure. And then, of course... You know, the idea that made it to Epcot, uh, you know, right idea, wrong park, <laughs> Cherry Tree Lane behind Main Street. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, this was yep. this was the idea that I think a lot of people, it stuck out in a lot of people's heads. And especially when we got the announcement at the D23 Expo, that's all I could think of. It's like, whoa, right idea, wrong park. Is this how they get around paying us? Uh, how does that work? It's ridiculous. You know, they, they're just, uh, they don't want to give us our due, apparently. 
So the ideas that I proposed that episode were having a Walt Disney family-style museum in a certain part of the park, maybe taking over the gallery so that we kind of had like a mini version of the museum here accessible in Anaheim. Uh, I propose a 4D attraction that would kind of run the course of the Opera House and behind Main Street that would take you through the history of Disneyland narrated by Walt Disney. So Mm -hmm. kind of a trackless system. Uh, And then, of course, my favorite one that I pitched that entire episode was using the void technology to give us a walk in Walt's footsteps hosted by Walt Disney, and then Gavin threw in, well, what if it's hosted by Walt and Mickey, and they're just kind of bantering back and forth, reminding each other of, of, you know, well, did you talk about this? Did you talk about that? Uh, (laughs) And then, you know, just the idea of starting your tour in an orange grove, and then you kind of see the creation of the park. You see these time lapses, and at the very end, you're standing in the hub, and Walt is holding Mickey's hand, and he's like totally Mufasaing, pointing out towards Main Street. It's like, everything the light touches is our kingdom. And you all turn around, <laughs> and then you turn around, and now he's the partner statue with Mickey. Yeah. You know? And then I cry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still think this is something that needs to happen in the park. I have not believed in an idea more than this one. <laughs> it was. It's a good one. It's so good, and it... It has that Main Street spirit and everything. And then you once you said holding his hand, just walking down a puddle of emotions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. It's interesting that we ended up doing so many like virtual reality or um, 3D experiences because, you know, we, we're dealing with the limitation of space on Main Street. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my Cherry Tree Lane attraction was a complete VR attraction as well. So um, I, I, I think that that makes sense. <clears throat> I think, Hazen, your idea captured the the thing that us hardcore Disneyland enthusiasts love. And that is when we go to that park, we feel it as Walt's Park. You know, we feel his presence. You know, I, to this day, every time I leave Disneyland, look up at the window to see his land, yep. you know, and I, I'm like, later, Walt, I'll be back soon. Like, it's, Dude, I thought that like, was just me. Like, no, no, <laughs> I, I, do too. I cannot leave that park without looking at the window, um, you know, to give a nod. And I, that's why that, that got so many reactions you know your your idea because it's that dream that all of us had that time machine dream of i want to go back and walk through the park with walt you know have him show me the park and you know and the things that he loves about it and this this would be our chance and it, the, the fast passes will be gone by 8.30 a.m. Um, <laughs> you'll have to, you know, wait in line overnight. It, it will be a smashing success. Yeah. This would be one of those tours that I would be glad to give them $300 for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's yeah. the other thing, too, is that it, um, you know, I, I think I'm the only one that has done the Walt, the Walk in Walt's Footsteps tour of us three, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. Um, the the cool thing about that tour is that they do, you get to tour the entire park, but they go around and they focus on the spots that remain that were, you know, 
existed during Walt's time, you know, and you get to go on attractions that he um, was involved with. And it's really cool. But all of those attractions in one way or another have been updated or changed or in some cases even slightly moved from where they were originally. This could show people exactly where things were and really give them the sense of this is exactly what it was like in the 50s and 60s during Walt's tenure. And to me, that adds a level that the actual tour doesn't have um, that it would be just so fun to experience. Rebecca, just throwing it out there. <laughs> case you're looking for stuff to do in, in the next decade. Uh, cool. So let's move on. Uh, episode 253, we talked about Mickey's Toontown. Uh, this was also a very interesting episode because we're talking about a very small footprint in the park, which a lot of these episodes tended to have. Uh, but Mickey's Toontown, you know, holds the distinct honor of being one of the least visited portions of the park unless you have kids you know it's so out of the way and yeah. there's not much to do there that in some ways was difficult for us to figure out what to do but once the ideas got rolling i think we came up with some really great things and oh whew, my heart skip a beat when gavin gave out his idea for this one <laughs> yeah. so let's go down the ideas here so uh i talked about getting rid of uh, Gadget's Go Coaster and creating a DuckTales hybrid dark ride slash simulator attraction, just kind of going through Duckburg, uh, taking over the Go Coaster and the Treehouse and the Magical Map to create a new Mickey and the Roadster Racers Mario Kart style type racing track, Love but with one. Disney characters. Mm -hmm. And then Mel threw out this idea that I thought was so genius that <laughs> instead of throwing out banana peels and turtle shells and everything, you'd start throwing out like Dole Whips and Mickey ice cream cones <laughs> and churros. <laughs> and that would be the way that you get people to spin out and everything. So those were the ideas that I proposed. Mel talked about taking over City Hall and and uh, allowing you to walk into McDuck Manor, ending with a meet and greet with Uncle Scrooge, reincorporating the idea of the old acorn pit that used to exist uh, in Mickey's Toontown and creating the money bin. Also having the Beagle Boys kind of running around as a live stage show so people can kind of be a part of the hijinks. Also adding a full diner called Daisy's Diner, which is sorely lacking in Mickey's yes. Toontown. Mm -hmm. uh, and also adding the Ranger Plane photo op by getting rid of the Jolly Trolley so that there was a little bit more rescue rangers to go mm. along with Gadget's Go Coaster. Yeah. Gavin's idea was to get rid of the Chippendale Treehouse and replace it with a mystery shack attraction with a reverse <laughs> tower of terror called the Weird Levator. And as soon as he said Gravity Falls, <laughs> all bets were off. <laughs> it's a great idea. I still think that should exist. But uh, there's there's so many things that came out of that that are just sorely lacking, like that Daisy's Diner thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We really, really need a good eatery back there, especially yeah. if you want to pull people to that side of the park. I think if you have that area and open up a little walkway that can somehow get you between Batu and the back of Frontierland... I think it would just be a lot easier to maneuver and a yeah. lot more people would visit it. 
and something like Daisy's Diner would just flourish in that area. I totally agree. The The cool thing about this episode is we already knew that Mickey's Runaway Railway was coming. Um, so that was going to kind of take center stage in the future of Mickey's Toontown. And I think that's going to draw a lot of people to it. But all of our best ideas don't really interfere with that. And they don't interfere with each other either. So we could absolutely have Daisy's Diner, which I think is genius and absolutely needed in that area. Okay. We could totally have what I think is your best idea here, which was the Roadster Racers idea. Yeah. Uh, which also gives us another excuse to get rid of Autopia. Uh, and then <laughs> the the back area expansion between Mickey's Toontown and uh, Galaxy's Edge, which is where my Gravity Falls expansion would go. None of those really impede on each other. They make it a land filled with attractions that the whole family can enjoy. And mm-hmm. we'll get more people back there, which will spread out the crowds more f- throughout the park. And I, I, I think... Like, like that episode was almost not a competition. It was like, okay, yeah, you're you're on team Roadster Racers. You're on team Daisy's Diner. You're on team Weird Levator. Let's go make this happen. You know, like yeah, it was like, like everybody complimented each yeah, other. Yeah, we were like on the renovation team for Mickey's Toontown, and we each had our different projects, and it was just about getting them done. You know, like I I I really liked that episode because of that. It, it had a totally different vibe than a lot of the other Armchair Imagineering episodes. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I agree like that uh, Mickey's Toontown needs an injection. And I think Mickey's Runaway Railway will give it some of that. But I, I think it can use even more than that. And that's why I love all of our ideas that came out of this. Yeah. Tony Baxter would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> But I, I, I do have to say that um, th- my weird levator idea was one of my favorite of the year. I, I really enjoyed that concept and, you know, coming up with like like you described it, a reverse Tower of Terror. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. OK, so episode 257, we armchair imagineered fantasy land. Mm. Uh, now this had some of the most ambitious ideas, especially from me um, <laughs> because <laughs> you know, I, I tend to like to break things down and put new stuff up. And I'm not sure if this was the episode where Gavin's no, no, that was the, the Epcot rotunda. I think that was the DCA <laughs> one. Where, uh, listening back, I started laughing because I didn't realize I said it. But Gavin said something along the lines of, oh, you don't realize that you're doing this? What about this? And my answer was, I don't care. (laughs) I "I just want to change it. And I was like, wow, that was, wow. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, let's go over some of the ideas that we had for Fantasyland. Uh, So... Uh, I had talked about... Well, actually, mine's the longest, so I'm going to go to mine at the end. So, uh, Gavin, you talked about getting rid of Pinocchio and creating a new Ichabod and Sleepy Hollow dark ride. And, of course, when people heard that, they may have been thinking, Oh, no, Pinocchio, he's gone. What's up? And then 
you talked about how you would move it over to Fantasia Gardens, reimagine the monorail so that it became actual transportation between the parks and downtown Disney. You'd get rid of Autopia, or as many people like to call it, Autotopia. <laughs> get rid of the submarine attraction, but leave the lagoon. And this takeover would allow you to give us a new dual Pinocchio boat ride, kind of a la Pirates of the Car- uh, Caribbean and kind of Guardians of the Galaxy, starting with Geppetto's Village. Uh, this, you dubbed it as Fantasyland's first thrill ride mm-hmm. because it kind of gave you these two experiences until we got to my idea. Um, <laughs> but I thought this idea was fantastic. I think that that entire footprint of what the old motorboat cruise used to be, mm-hmm. uh, where Fantasia Gardens is, taking over Autopia, and the way that you described everything that you were putting together for this new uh, Pinocchio and Geppetto attraction was fantastic. Well, thank you. And uh, listeners should know by now that I will never get rid of Pinocchio in the park. Right. I remember when you first mentioned that and we were like, what? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. just a bait and switch. <laughs> uh, well the done. Other, thank you. Yeah. The other idea that you threw out that episode was removing the magical map and that entire theater to create an Agrabah area, mm-hmm. a whole new world, so to speak. Yep which would include Chef Genie's place for food, a flying carpet attraction that kind of takes advantage of the Peter Pan uh, ride system. And it would kind of combine what Soren is. So you kind of have this combo attraction to help fly you around the world. Uh, I still think that's something that needs to happen in some capacity because just the idea of soaring through, you know, the on a carpet nonetheless, like it's just such an iconic film that they're kind of missing the carpet on this one. Cause we're not missing <laughs> that. So anyway, uh, still th- I, th- I still think it needs to happen. Um, the ideas that I had uh, were I wanted to move the sword in the stone to create a live show, uh, kind of like a little villain's grove where children would pull the sword and then fight the villains to get them to kind of go away. The other idea was I wanted to reimagine Fantasmic so that it was no longer at the Rivers of America, but now it would be in front of Sleeping Beauty Castle. That way we had that full Maleficent dragon at the castle. I don't know logistically how that would happen, but man, it would be so cool to see it there. (laughs) Right? We were still sold. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, one of the biggest ideas that I had was, as Gavin dubbed it, the slide puzzle of Fantasyland, (laughs) where I moved the storybook canals and Casey Jr. over to Fantasia Gardens. I would get rid of the Red Rose Tavern. I would move Pinocchio and Mr. Toad, the dance floor and the princess meet and greet over to where Mickey and the Magical Map is because, quite frankly, I'm getting rid of that as well. And then I would create a huge castle courtyard where the walls essentially hide everything outside of the castle. The attraction would be underground and you would be in this hybrid vehicle that would just look super boring when you board it, but using reverse projections and projections on the wall, you would be transported into each of the fairy tales and the princesses that are represented inside of Fantasyland, going from from the Beauty and the Beast story to Ariel's story to Punzi's story to Moana to just everything. There's so much 
that that we could do with that attraction. And the vehicle itself was going to be built in such a way where it would not just allow you to move around and make you feel like you were going uh, on the water, but it would also levitate you and make you feel like you were flying a la flying carpets or in your tiny galleon as you were flying off to Neverland. Um, one of the most ambitious ideas that I've had, it does take a lot of work. It does take a lot of moving. And look, I know that you guys make fun of me for double clicking <laughs> and moving stuff. But look, is Dumbo in the same place where it used to be? Is the pirate ship in the same place where it used to be? What about the teacups? No. Things were meant to be moved. Yeah, that's that's a little different than moving the Storybook Land canal boats. That's, that's, uh, There's a, water where I'm putting them. a little different. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, I mean, I think all of it could be done, but I think that would be like a five-year project. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantasyland would totally be shut down for yeah. A very long, long time. Yeah, yeah. And that is not something that I believe Disney would want to do. Right. Oh, Especially no. not in a park <laughs> as small as Disneyland. Yeah. If if this idea ever came to fruition, I think it would be like an attraction that they would do at like Disney Down Under when they open up like right. Disney Australia. Yeah. You know, it, it has to be something that's planned and built from scratch. Yeah. And not something that you incorporate into something that's already existing because the infrastructure to create such an attraction, especially in the underground part of it, so that you can keep the rise of the castle walls at a certain level and still give that illusion using the force perspective, would just not happen. There's there's no way, like you said, to do that unless you shut everything down for five years or more. Mm-hmm. You know, so realistically I know this can't happen at Disneyland, but it doesn't mean that it can't happen at another park somewhere else. Honestly, I like I enjoyed this episode, but I feel like it's probably the least the the biggest collection of the least viable ideas that we came up with. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fantasyland's hard to mess with, you know. Uh, there there are some great stories about Tony Baxter and the stress he felt going into leading that project to renovate Fantasyland in 1982 and 83. And uh, I, I felt some of that stress as we just played with ideas, you know, because it's, it's the heart of Disneyland really. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, we came up with some fun stuff, but uh, you know, and I think some of those could become uh, really cool things, but yeah, th- this, this was a tough one. I, to me, I still think Fantasyland ends up being the toughest one to deal with. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because uh, I was getting to Melissa's ideas, and I think Melissa's oh, yeah. are the most viable ideas because they were so easy to execute. Okay. Uh, for instance, her her main idea was to remove the Red Rose Tavern and create a barbecue section. Like <laughs> Always after with the Sherwood barbecue Forest. with Melissa. <laughs> hey, barbecue is good. No, Wait. I know, but it's so funny. I think she brings it up in like three different armchair Imagineerings. <laughs> <I think so. laughs> Did you ever get a chance to eat at Big Thunder Ranch? No, remember because it's fa- oh, it was always family why. style. That's why you know. That's, that's why. why. I mean, I look. I get it. Um, I I spent the last eleven years before I moved here in the Midwest, where where barbecue really exists. So ah. I mean, that, yeah, so you it's know. just 
It's just whatever to you. I yeah, it. it's like when people come here from New Orleans, I don't think they're wowed by the food in New Orleans Square like we are, right? It, it's a different thing. That's true. That's very true. Uh, the other idea that Mel had was creating a restaurant with flora, fauna, and Merriweather. Oh, yeah. And there would be a lot of elements from the film. There would They would have their little fights and everything. And I think this would be a really great addition to Fantasyland. And it would really play into the whole Sleeping Beauty Castle element of what that area brings. So of all of the ideas... I think that one is possibly the one that we'd most likely see happen in Fantasyland, mm-hmm. uh, aside from tearing down everything and playing the slide puzzle game with all the attractions. <laughs> uh, and then the other idea that Mel brought was the expansion of the Alice ride taking over the Mad Hatter shop and creating the home of the rabbit, where you would be able to go through the tiny door but there would still be a regular door for and all of us that can't crawl through the tiny door. And then there would be, and, and this is what I really like about the, this idea, there would be magical windows into Wonderland. Mm. And it would kind of be a meet and greet for Alice, the rabbit, the hatter, and like all the characters. But the magical windows to Wonderland, I kind of feel like would be the best part of that because we already kind of see that on the cruise ships. Right, the cruise yeah, yeah. ships have the magical windows that kind of have the characters flying by. They're essentially screens, but it's bringing that magic that was created on the cruise ships into the parks. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of ideas there that, if we were to see any of them happen, I think Melissa takes this one. Yeah, yeah, that, that's probably pretty <laughs> for <true>. once. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, in episode 261, we talked about parades. Now, this was such an interesting episode because I think it was something that we weren't prepared to be so difficult to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Parade planning be hard, y'all. Word. Uh And we realized that super quick. (laughs) Uh, So, uh... I talked about creating a tribute to old attractions where the floats, there was floats like for the people mover, the flying saucers, the rocket rods, Autopia. And I think I even said in the episode, ah, ah, but Autopia's still around. And I said, "Eh, not for long. Uh, I still believe that. (laughs) (laughs) Then I talked about possibly creating a Marvel parade. I talked about creating Legacy, a tribute to Disney animation that starred Steamboat Willie and Oswald, but each float would be concept art for each of the films Mm. that it represented. So we would get to see a 3D representation of something that Mary Blair created or a 3D representation of something Ivan Earl painted. And ah, I'm I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that one still. Uh, (laughs) I talked about creating the 104 Days of Summer Water Challenge hosted by Phineas and Ferb. (laughs) It's essentially a parade of water guns that get you wet during the summer. And who doesn't like to be nice and cool in the summer? Heck yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I think we had some honorable mentions towards the end where uh, I had talked about creating something called Remember Me, which was meant to be a parade of the lost characters that we don't get a chance to see in the park. But because of its significance, you both said, oh, a cocoa parade? <laughs> so, no, no, but a cocoa parade would be grand. Mm-hmm. 
Gavin had an idea of creating TV through the decades where every float would represent a different decade. And I think the coolest idea and execution part of this one as we were talking it through was the idea of starting with a tube TV and it kind of turned into a plasma. And then by the end, it was like a cell phone or a tablet or something that you were viewing (laughs) something on. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, you talked about a Tomorrowland parade where it represented Treasure Planet, Wally, Meet the Robinsons, Tron, of course, because it would be the highlight of any parade that Gavin or Melissa would would create, <laughs> obviously. Yep. Uh, and then Gavin threw out a really interesting idea that was kind of, you know, mirrored by uh, an idea that Melissa had. You talked about creating a, a princess only parade. Yep. You know, I yeah. think you dubbed it the most glittery, pixie dust, oh, most yeah. magical and like colorful parade. Full on Rococo, candy colored, glittery, rainbowy, princessy. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I would love it. It would be the most fabulous thing ever. Oh, I think we all would. But then (laughs) Melissa had a really great counter to that and doing a parade that was all Prince-based. Yeah, I remember. (laughs) Uh, Except that she did exclude Prince Ali, and I think that just kind of hit you the wrong way because it kind of hurt you in a way that you never thought Mm -hmm. Melissa could hurt you. (laughs) I mean, Prince Ali, fabulous he. (laughs) Yeah, so then Melissa's other idea was to create the Electronica Tribute Parade. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of elements of Tron, a bunch of elements of what we saw at Electronica, but basically a really awesome lit-up nighttime parade. Yeah, creating a parade is no laughing matter. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember hearing you tell us the um, story of your Marvel parade and how it seemed like it couldn't be any less than a three-hour parade. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because you wanted to tell the that. whole Infinity Saga. <laughs> yeah. And then I remember feeling so deflated at the end of that episode <laughs> when I came to the realization that parades just have to be upbeat and happy and they have to have this great music and at the end i just thought okay so we're gonna play the avengers theme at the end and then they oh man that's not gonna work and i was like well we're scrapping that one (laughs) oh that's great so yeah super interesting episode Ah, i yeah the 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 all princess and the all prince parade I think are the real standouts here. I think they they just pose a really interesting concept that I don't I don't think we've ever seen in the parks. Like I think we've seen like princess style parades, but there's always a prince with them. There's always, mm-hmm. you know, some element that breaks the princess only part of it. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that would be a, a really cool parade to see. Uh, Okay, so moving on, in episode 265, we talked about New Orleans Square. Oh, man. One of our favorite areas of the park. This one, unfortunately, Mel wasn't able to join us for. So Gavin and I just kind of went back and forth with our ideas. (laughs) And Gavin kind of had me at chicken and waffles with his first idea. (laughs) When he talked about... <laughs> retheming the Rivered Bell Terrace and making it Tiana's place. You know, the idea of just 
theming that restaurant to an IP that I just think is so much more recognizable than a generic place called the Riverbell Terrace would be so successful in that area, especially when it's on the heels of New Orleans Square. Mm -hmm. I think it would have some challenges because of the proximity to Adventureland, but I mean, there's ways of kind of making it blend into the surroundings so that it just becomes its own thing. Right. Uh, Especially if you take one of Gavin's other ideas and that's converting Tarzan's treehouse and let Mama Odie take over. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you kind of had that, in that section, I mean, that's half the battle. Mm-hmm. You know, you've already had a pretty hard transition into New Orleans Square. There's there's no questioning, is that Adventureland or is it New Orleans Square? No, it's New Orleans Square. That's where it starts. Yep. Bengal Barbecue, Adventureland. Tiana's Place, definitely New Orleans Square. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you also had a couple other ideas where you talked about uh, you wanted to retheme the Rivers of America to Princess and the Frog. Mm-hmm. Then you talked about one of the coolest ideas also that came out of this episode was an attraction based on the rescuers where yes. you would walk yes. under the track similar to how you do it uh, going into Toontown now, but you're taking a property that sometimes it's forgotten mm-hmm. outside of the cavalcades and you gave it a really good home riding around on a leaf in the bayou. Uh, some of the ideas that I threw out that episode were having in the center of New Orleans Square dueling pianos where you would have a couple of musicians kind of playing back and forth the way that you hear some of the ragtime players do on Main Street, but they'd be dueling back and forth. They'd be quipping at each other throughout their entire set. I just think it would be just super fun to see that. Uh, A dining package on the Mark Twain where you would get an opportunity to have dinner riding around on the rivers of America on the Mark Twain. I still think that's absolutely doable, and I still think that that's something that should be offered next summer. Bring the Museum of the Weird to the Haunted Mansion area hosted by Dr. Facilier. Yes. You know, have the Shadow (laughs) Man just kind of go in and tell us about all these weird things that are in his hall and in his museum of the weird. How great would it be if it's posed as his, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And then uh, the idea that would take over Gavin's rescuer's attraction would be to create a Hyperion style theater. Uh, which would kind of have a Wicked-style show based on Dr. Facilier and telling his origin story. So you have this entire Broadway-esque show just based on Dr. Facilier. Uh, if that doesn't happen at Disneyland, it has to happen on Broadway, dude. I, I, <laughs> I believe in that idea so hard that if it Write doesn't happen, like, I'm going to start writing that. Yeah. I forgot <laughs> about that theater show. That's a fantastic idea. Uh, it's interesting um, how much we both focused on the princess and the frog here um, and how they created this film set in New Orleans. And yet it's so drastically underrepresented in the park. You know, I think we Agreed. still see Facilier walking around uh, with a fair amount of frequency, but I hardly ever see Tiana in New Orleans Square like that. That's there's something not right about that that's just yeah 
you know, um, I really liked the idea that you started out with here um, with my uh, Riverbell Terrace and the the Tarzan's Treehouse takeover because, you know, New Orleans and the bayou and the swamp, I mean, it it's a great segue from the jungle to the swamp to New Orleans proper. So, like, to me, that segue made sense to have Mama Odie's tree and, and Tiana's place there as your segue out of the jungle into the swamp and then into New Orleans Square. I think I definitely, like, overwrote the... Um, the rivers of America idea I had with my later frontier land idea that I have, which I think is way stronger than this one. So we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, you know, I, I do like the idea of this uh, theater experience that your facilier idea is. And I, and I think to have another big show kind of like uh, the Hyperion theater that you mentioned. And since I think every one of us at some point or another has gotten rid of the fantasy land theater and the magical map. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of need another like sit down theater experience at Disneyland. And I think that's a great spot to do it. You could have it outside the berm so you can have a pretty big building and uh, do it upright because I, I think what they do over at the Hyperion is so impressive. It's amazing that you can walk into an amusement park and see that quality of a show uh, in a big, beautiful theater like that. And I think they could do it right and do it up real elegant New Orleans oh, style. Yeah. And uh, I think it'd be great. You go have dinner at Tiana's, then you go see this show uh, to hear about Facilier. That would be an amazing, magical evening. Well, thanks. I like that idea, too. I think I'm going to start writing it. You should, man. I'm just going to start writing That's it. That's great. <laughs> All right. Uh, so moving on to episode 269, we armchair imagineered Frontierland. This Woo. man, <laughs> Frontierland. This is where Hazen so, hit a new level again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This. <laughs> okay, so I'll get to that in a moment. So let's talk about the other ideas. <laughs> so uh, Mel had talked about taking over Tom Sawyer Island and adding Pocahontas and having Grandmother Willow in a show. Uh, I think that complemented the idea that Gavin had talked about when he started when we started the episode about also creating a brand new boat ride that would kind of give the river to Pocahontas just around the river bend. I mean, you, you say complimented, but it's just a nice way of saying she stole my notes. This is where the note stealing began. This is when it starts. Yeah, and like every episode after this, one of us steals somebody else's idea inadvertently. So this is where it began. <laughs> so there was that. Uh, Gavin talked about removing the shooting gallery and adding a themed portrait studio. And then Melissa talked about kind of having a bibbidi-bobbidi boutique style experience as well to kind of get a little glammed up and everything before you take your photos. You know, other theme parks have something like this, and I think it's very successful for them. Uh, parks like Knott's Berry Farm just down the road from Disneyland have something like this. Mm -hmm. And I remember doing this with a group of friends, and I talked about it that episode that it was first proposed. I thought, this is, I don't know, like, this doesn't seem fun. And then we did it, and it was one of the funnest things I've ever done, <laughs> just kind of dressing up and, like, getting into character and everything. I was Heck like, yeah. man, we need to do this again. 
<laughs> well, and the key to that idea too, though, is that it has an AR element to it. In that you yeah. you'll be standing there with Woody or Jesse or other you know Western characters in the Disney canon. Right on Mars with John Carter. Yeah, that's exactly. right. I remember that. Or with uh, <laughs> the Lone Ranger, or you know, that's other, right. other people. That's right. Or you know, Captain Jack Sparrow. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? In any one of the eighty-four films he did for Disney. Word. Uh, <laughs> then we got to a really interesting idea that I think Gavin and I were on the same wavelength about, but. I still think this idea would just kind of work so well. And it started off when Gavin talked about updating the Golden Horseshoe Review with vaudeville acts, rotating acts, having some new food. And then he kind of had me at, oh, it's going to be like a bar slash saloon. And then he said non-alcoholic and he lost me. (laughs) (laughs) But I think when we were both on the same wavelength about having these vaudeville acts, I propose that we bring the Muppets and have them do a variety show at the Golden Horseshoe Review. Yep. I still think that would work. Oh, 100%. Five stars. Definitely. The fact that it hasn't already happened yet is the most disappointing thing I can think of. Like this, this has to happen. Yeah. And then of course we get to the idea. Ridiculous. That, that redefined ridiculous in armchair Imagineering. Uh, and, and look, going back to it, I really, I, again, this was one of those episodes where I kind of, Epcot rotunded the heck out of this idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and it, there was no boundaries, you know, except for the fact that Gavin and Melissa kept telling me, no, you can't break everything down. And I just ignored them because <laughs> this is blue sky. Damn it. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> and the idea was based on these old drawings by Mark Davis for a concept that he created called Thunder Mesa River Expedition. Mm -hmm. And it was such an ambitious idea that I wanted to take some of that and incorporate a new version of the Rainbow Caverns Mine Train. But I wanted to do it with characters from Gravity Falls, where Grunkle Stan essentially figures out how to fake the Rainbow Caverns. And at some point, you're on this attraction. Seuss trips over a cable, and he's like, whoops, sorry, dudes. And then Grunkle Stan's like, ah, now they know that it's fake. How dare you, Seuss? And so then you're kind of going through these mines, and there's this pterodactyl that's chasing you. And look, now that I'm hearing it again, I still think it'll work. (laughs) (laughs) I think the biggest issue that we had with that idea was that digging out the rivers of America yeah. and expanding the attraction track to what I needed it to be would require everything to go down for like 15 years. Yeah, it, that was the problem. <laughs> the infrastructure you wanted to create, you know, where this ride is going through all the buildings and underneath uh-huh. all the frontier land and even under the rivers. It was like, that's like just start over territory, like dig up Disneyland and start over, man. All right. Uh, you said it. Uh, that That's going to have to be like a third gate attraction, man. You, you, that's too much renovation. Yeah. And again, I still think it'll work as an attraction. Sure. Just not in Frontierland. Agreed. I agree. Not in Frontierland. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to talk about the... Um, the, the Pocahontas idea I had for this one that 
uh, and that Melissa kind of, um, we kind of combined our ideas into one giant experience. I, to me, that is the, besides the Muppets being in the golden horseshoe, which just should be a fact. Like we should just take that as fact that that's going to happen and just put that out into the universe because it needs to happen. But this Mm -hmm. Island idea of redoing Tom Sawyer Island or pirate's lair on Tom Sawyer Island or whatever we call it today, phantasmic stage, uh, and retheming it and giving it new life and and bringing in this um, American legend that is around the Pocahontas story and you know bringing in the artistry and magic of that film from the Renaissance, which we all know and love. To me, that makes so much sense. You know, kids don't. Um, there's nothing in the Tom Sawyer story really that resonates with kids today. I don't think Uh, it's kind of, it's too far in the past. It's, it's a a dated thing at this point. Um, Ironically, Pocahontas is an older story than that, but the film is what is still magical for people. And uh, I I think bringing in some new life uh, with the Pocahontas characters and with some of those magical effects, you know, we talked about Grandmother Willow and, and like a mm-hmm. little meet and greet story time, like amphitheater on the theater or, or on the island somehow. You know, the the ideas of seeing like Flit up in the tree and, you know, Miko peeking out from the rocks and things like that. Just little things that you could discover on that island and still have that sense of exploration for kids, but just give it a new life with, with characters that they can recognize and that resonate with them i i think would be awesome and it would get me back over there exploring a little more often too yeah you know it's funny when you talked about taking over the rivers of america and creating a princess and the frog theme attraction like a boat ride i i was really on board with that because i felt that it fit more with the theme of new orleans and we we talked we touched on this in one of the episodes where uh, oh in the in the New Orleans Square episode you asked me if I considered the Mark Twain more New Orleans than Frontierland even though it's always been stationed in Frontierland mm-hmm. uh, and because of that when you proposed the Princess and the Frog idea I thought this is a match made in heaven right it just goes so well with the riverboat like it's it's that same style boat that you used to see going down the Mississippi and then you have like this element of New Orleans Princess and the Frog it's so great but when I was listening back to these episodes I realized that the charm of the rivers of America is what Walt wanted it to represent, right? Mm-hmm. The the mm-hmm. nature part and the the aspects of Native American culture that have died out in the park since its opening mm-hmm. and completely removing them would eliminate all of that, yeah. right? But converting it over to a Pocahontas-themed attraction would not only keep it strong in the park it would also allow disney to have a one of the strongest ips that they have because pocahontas is one of the most popular princesses that exists oh heck yeah you know so uh she's got such a strong following she's such a strong character that 
it it does make a lot of sense to retheme all of that to a Pocahontas attraction. And then having that stage show with Pocahontas and Grandmother Willow would just be another element that it kind of takes you away from the rest of the park. You get to hear this cool little story in the middle of nature, even though you're in the middle of Anaheim. Uh, but like the more that I thought about it, the more I really felt that the Pocahontas approach that you both were talking about was the much better approach than converting it to Princess and the Frog. Yeah. I I think it's, it's a fun idea too. I, I just think it'd be more entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, okay. In 275, we took on Gavin's favorite IP Cars. Yeah. When we reimagine Cars Land. <laughs> In that episode, uh, Melissa talked about repurposing the cozy cone and changing it to be more like a sit down style restaurant where the cones would serve as a check in point where you would get your food and you would go sit down. And that's where you're kind of hidden away from the sun. You're kind of sitting down in the cooler uh, elements. So if you don't want to go to Flo's, you don't want to go to one of the other restaurants, the cozy cone would be your new place to go instead of that being where you're served your food. I like this, especially in the summer. I think there's not a lot of places to sit around, especially because places like Flo's get super uh, full because there's air conditioning inside. So having those additional places where you can just sit down would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, You talked about having a show with Ramon and Flo where they talk about their love story and they're kind of bantering back and forth. And Ramon's like, hey, check me out. And he's like doing his wheels and he's like hitting the switches. And Flo's like, hey, let's keep going with the story. You know, so they're kind of like (laughs) bickering. I thought that was super cute. I think that's still a show that we need to see somehow in California Adventure. And it kind of goes with some of the other ideas that we had Um, Because Gavin brought up a really good point in some of the ideas that he was pitching is that we need to see more of the characters in their own attractions. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't see enough of that. So we wanted to see more cars out, bring Ramon out, have him do a little show similar to how DJ used to do it. Um, Maybe have a dedicated area where he's only there all the time and that's all you get a chance to see. But having Mater... You know, at the Junkyard Jamboree, having uh, Guido over at, you know, the the Flying Tires. I keep calling it Flying Tires. Um, <laughs> at the... Rollickin' Roadsters. Uh, at the Rollickin' Roadsters. There you go. Um, you know, having these characters in their own attractions would really help serve the purpose of really feeling even more that you're inside of this world that was created. Um, Gavin also had a super interesting idea that I never thought w- I would hear, but he proposed having a singing toilet, um, <laughs> not necessarily yeah. a singing toilet, That's but right. a talking toilet, uh, <laughs> similar to the ones that are in Japan, inspired directly by Cars 2 yep. and uh, Mater's uh, trips around the world <laughs> with Lightning McQueen. And I remember just thinking, oh, man, but the vloggers, oh, the vloggers would be in there with their cameras. How am I going to pee in peace? (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, and then we talked about possibly moving it outside, and it evolved into this idea that just merged really well with an idea that I had where the toilet would have a screen and it would be giving you like commentary yeah. on this idea that I had about building this international raceway where you could build your own cars similar to the way that you used to be able to do at downtown Disney and you would race them, you would race for prizes, you would race for medals every day. It would just be ongoing races and I thought, you know, it's a really cool way to kind of get engaged in that area and it fits the element really well. Gavin also talked about creating uh, a walkthrough where you would go into the courthouse of Radiator Springs to get your own cars or Radiator Springs driver license. Yep. You would go in there and you would see uh, Judge Hudson and he would, you know, make you swear in and make sure that you're going to be an honorable citizen of Radiator Springs. You would get your driver's license. And then we thought, well, that goes really well with the raceway idea because now you have a driver license for the raceway and just one <laughs> idea built on another. Uh, then he talked about bringing in the Plains franchise yep. and taking yeah. over kind of that Soren building, expanding Cars Land all the way out into that area and creating a brand new Plains-themed hangar uh, where you would have planes around the world. And you would have that franchise kind of flying through, very similar to what Soren is now, but of course with the lovable characters from Planes. And Cars. And cars. The whole, the whole <laughs> and you would eventually land in Cars Land. Uh, then I talked about having a show that had Doc Hudson telling stories about Radiator Springs. Maybe you could have a stage where you're rotating characters and different characters are kind of telling you their, their own stories. Uh, maybe race stories that they remember from watching Doc race or something. I don't know. You know, it, the, the opportunities of the stories that you can create for that are endless, especially if you have Mater up there telling his tales. Yeah. The more I thought about it, just having Mater be up there telling you one of his stories. Ugh. That would that be would a be, blast. <laughs> I know. I know. Especially if it turned into one of those like turtle talk crush mm -hmm. things where like he interacted with you and mm -hmm. he's like hey how many of you have this and this and everybody's like oh me it's like oh you red shirt over there you know and, like and he interacts with the kids and stuff super cool i love it heck yeah i had a very similar idea to gavin's about the soren style attraction based on planes but i think gavin's i think fit the structure of what we were creating a little bit better um, I talked about having the little flying car beetles just kind of hovering <laughs> yes. around Cars Land. Cause, you know, where do you go that there aren't bugs flying around? Right. You got to have those little beetles, man. Um, yeah, and then the idea that just stole my heart was Guido's Pit Stop, yes. pit stop Coffee Shop. <laughs> yeah. Where you're like, Guido, my man, my affogato. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that one had both of us sold. Mm -hmm. We're like, yes, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Coffee. <laughs> I think that's the most viable idea of all of them that we came up with. Uh, and it goes to uh, an underutilized space, which is the Blue mm -hmm. Sky Cellar, and becomes, you know, kind of a, an addition to the gateway to Cars Land. Uh, it's a perfect spot for people watching because that's the main avenue through the park. And we need more coffee shops that don't yep. include a mermaid. 
that don't include a siren. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> oh, a siren. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, we <laughs> need a, a, a you know an independent Disneyland or Disney coffee shop that um, serves authentic Italian uh, coffee drinks and Italian sodas and you know such. I, man, yeah, this one to me, when I think back on it, is the one I want the most to happen. We came yeah. up with a lot of really fun ideas for this area, uh, you know, especially like adding more of the actual cars, which I think should just happen. But yeah, I was very pleased with this idea and I still want it to happen because the little coffee cart in the middle there by the entrance to um, Paradise Pixar Land of Gardens uh, is not enough. It's good. It's good, but it's not enough. You know, we need, we need more than that. So, we do. um, yeah, this, this little cafe should definitely happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So in 279, we made our way back into Disneyland proper when we talked about reimagining Adventureland. This, I think had one of the coolest concepts mel i think we all had a similar concept in this one just executed slightly differently mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the idea of having an escape room it's something that just needs to happen at <laughs> disneyland yeah so here's the breakdown of the ideas for that one so mel talked about uh, plussing up the jungle cruise by adding more elements of smell, adding more of a 4D element mm-hmm. so that uh, it felt more like you were actually in this jungle. You smelled like some of the bananas when you went by the gorillas. Uh, I think when you made the joke of, you know, when you see ginger snapping, you smell ginger snaps. <laughs> um, I thought that was cute. But then you said we should call it the terror cruise on Halloween. And I thought, (laughs) yes, 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 yes. The Jingle Cruise, I think, was just one of those fun overlays that happened a few years. And then it was like, oh, that happened. Oh, we didn't get it again. Eh, Oh, well. But the Terror Cruise. (laughs) I think that would be super, super fun, especially when you start seeing those beady red eyes and you start feeling the mist and you start hearing the growls and ooh, yeah, it's good. (laughs) I like it. You start hearing the hyenas and you see Scar just kind of come out, you know, like in in the darkness. Ah, oh, so good. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So then you talked about having a new restaurant called Eye on the World, located at the top of the temple, which I I call the Tip Top Temple. And (laughs) you talked about using the ladder that you see in the queue for Indy to get up there. Uh, We talked about possibly using face recognition where you take a picture during your reservation. And when you get up there, Mara's all like, who seeks dinner? You know, and like (laughs) it tries to recognize your face to get in. Uh, I love this idea. I think the fact that you're at the top of the temple kind of secluded from everything is a really great place. Like you said, to see fireworks, Mm -hmm. you know, you have this prime location to kind of see the entire park, which isn't a visual that you normally get a chance to see. You kind of get a little taste of it when you're up in the treehouse right now. But that would be such a fantastic place to eat and uh, to kind of get this experience, right? Yeah. Um, 
I'll talk about the escape rooms after. But since we're on restaurants, Gavin also had a really great idea for a sit-down restaurant called Junior's. Junior's would be hosted by the maitre d' Indiana Jones, and it would only be available via boat. So you would have to take a boat and you would get off somewhere in the Jungle Cruise attraction and then you'd make your way over to Junior's. Obviously, you would have your monkey brains and your snake surprise and there would be all sorts of foods that would just surprise the heck out of you if you knew what was actually in it. (laughs) But the idea of this hidden restaurant that seems to be even more exclusive and hidden than Club 33 was just a captivating idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the idea of having a, a hidden restaurant, for one, but one that you also board a special boat from the Jungle Cruise dock and, and take this through the river, and then you exit, and a safari guide takes you on another trek. So it's like you're on this adventure, you know, and then you get to this fantastic restaurant. And then, of course, you have to adventure your way back as well. So it's just a great little bookend kind of experience that it would create. And especially at night, it would feel like you're really exploring. Uh, There's that element of surprise. Mm -hmm. You know, you Mm -hmm. just don't know where you're going. Then you talked about also plussing up the Jungle Cruise and the Tiki Room with more realistic animatronics, maybe adding some Lion King elements to it. I think the realistic animatronics uh, are certainly something that is much more doable now, especially with some of the animatronic technology that we have. The Tiki Room has gone untouched for so many years now that it it does need a plussing. Mm-hmm. You know, it I don't want to see it go away. I think it serves a really great purpose and there's a a really great charm to the Tiki Room that I don't want to lose in Adventureland. Um and I don't think we will, especially considering that the Tropical Hideaway is the companion attraction slash restaurant to the Tiki Room. But I do think that animatronic technology has advanced in a way where you could take down the Tiki Room for a few months and really plus up that area, and it would just take it to a whole new level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, the uh, The idea that I threw out that wasn't Escape Room related, we'll get to those next, was I wanted to see a sing-along where Aladdin's Oasis used to be. Unfortunately, that is now the Tropical Hideaway. But prior to that, I would have loved to have seen uh, a stage with Baloo and Mowgli with some projection technology where maybe you see Ka kind of wrapping around the venue and it's like this boa that's trying to squeeze everybody there. Uh, They're kind of going through the story of the Jungle Book through song and every so often they sprinkle in other music from other uh, properties. I just thought it would be a really fun experience and a really fun show to have, uh, especially if they still had food in that area. But now it's a tropical hideaway, so maybe it's for another part of the park. Maybe. Uh, Okay, so now the escape room clause of this episode Uh, essentially said that every one of us had to come up with an escape room without any of us knowing that we came (laughs) up with an escape room. Uh, That, I think, was one of the most surprising things about this episode. mm -hmm. Uh, So Melissa posed, uh, posed an idea where there is an escape room inside of the temple 
of the Forbidden Eye. And part of the walkthrough and part of the escape room as you're getting into it would be that you walk right behind Mara's eyes and you're looking into the attraction as the vehicles are coming towards you. And that just, ah, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because it's (laughs) such a visual. It's a strong visual to see from Mara's vantage point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? It's just uh, the idea of that happening I'm telling you, ooh. and then walking around the temple, seeing all the fire and everything. I think that would be such a cool escape room to have. So I'm so on board with this idea. Then Gavin proposed an escape room on the second floor of the bazaar, also Indiana Jones themed. And the idea of having all of these elements from the Indiana Jones movies and you're kind of trying to crack all these codes and do whatever you have to do to get out of this room. (sighs) I'm telling you, these are things that need to happen. (laughs) Even if they are special events, even if they are once for Halloween or whatever the case is, they got to happen. Then my escape room took a different direction. I actually wanted to get rid of Tarzan's treehouse and create the opening of the Cave of Wonders in that area because I just love the visual of the Cave of Wonders. And so my escape room incorporated a lot of the phone technology that you see at Galaxy's Edge where they give you all of these tasks, not necessarily an escape room, but tasks that you have to do. Well, I guess that's an escape room. You do the tasks, you get through, you do things in a certain order, and certain tasks require you to have a specific amount of people with you. So it's not just like you and one other person. And at the end, you have your meet and greet with Genie, Aladdin, and Jasmine. And as Gavin said, you get to the end and applause, applause, applause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and through the attraction, obviously, you see old man Jafar trying to, quote unquote, guide you through the escape room. Um So escape rooms look like something that we really want to (laughs) see. Yeah. I mean, if anything, that's that was the whole thing is just adventures. So I thought it was awesome that we all came up with something in that nature. I mean, it's come on, Disney, make it happen. I mean, we would pay for it. I would pay for it. I'd pay three hundred dollars just to walk behind Mara's eyes. (laughs) Disney. (laughs) <laughs> uh, be careful they're listening they may charge you 300 bucks That's true. Uh, the yeah I, I love the idea of all of these escape rooms I think they yeah. all have merit for sure I I think they're completely impractical inside the park uh, mostly because of capacity you, you just can't move a lot of people through them uh, and I, but I think it could be a companion attraction to something like the void in downtown Disney where you, you know, maybe across that same circular area, which I guess it's now black tap, but you know, somewhere in that vicinity, you could also have an escape room experience. Maybe this is what they turn the rainforest cafe into. It already looks like the temple. Uh, and you know, we have a series <laughs> of escape rooms in there, but you need some space and you need, uh, something that's not going to, uh, you know, hinder the crowd flow and like, you know, things like that. And actually, you know, be able to move a capacity of crowds through and escape rooms just don't do that. They don't do volume. So um, 
I love these ideas. I just don't think they'll ever happen inside a park. Um, but I think they could go outside the park. For me, the the real interesting things we came up with here were the restaurant ideas. Um, you know, having some more Indiana Jones experience in there because Indy is, uh, to me, Indiana Jones defines adventure. Like it is the number one like adventure film franchise, like bar none to me. And so more indie makes more sense. And I love it. And of course, you know, all of our ideas of just kind of bringing up the existing attractions to contemporary technology levels, you know, modernizing, plusing the animatronics, adding some new effects to the Tiki Room and the Jungle Cruise. All of these things will do nothing more than add magic to an already incredible land. Uh, So, yeah, this one was an interesting one for sure. I was surprised with how much we came up with for the one of the smallest lands and certainly one of the most landlocked lands. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're finally at number 11, which was last month's armchair Imagineering episode. And that was 283 Critter Country. Oh, yeah. Critter (laughs) Country is also one of the episodes that I received the most messages about and the most comments about primarily because of Gavin's takeover of all of Critter Country, which we'll get to shortly. It's my most Hazen-esque episode. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. He took the Hazen route and reimagined everything. Uh, So Melissa had talked about uh, plussing up the area in front of Pooh Corner. Uh, which is the exit of Splash Mountain. And she talked about adding some mirrors with the country bears to bring that element back into the area, Uh, bringing some lockers, which are sorely needed there because we just don't have any, and warming stations so that when you get off of Splash Mountain, you're not absolutely freezing. Not a problem in the summer, But in other months, it does get a little chilly. Or if you ask most Californians when it gets under 70, it's it's freezing (laughs) temperature. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then I talked about creating a meet and greet where Pete guides you through the forest. And you eventually get to meet Elliot, who just kind of appears from nothing, similar to how he does in the movie Pete's Dragon. The other idea that I proposed was kind of a spinoff of the Frontierland idea and renaming uh, the country jamboree portion of the land, calling it the Critter Jamboree, hosted by the Muppets with special guests, the Country Bears! Yay! (laughs) It would have a rotating stage with the riverboat scene and just different elements of the country bears, different things for the Muppets. And uh, if we don't get the Muppets in Frontierland, I think this is the kind of the next best place to see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then adding some elements of the country bears uh, would also kind of bring that nostalgia hit to everyone. Uh, but of course, the star idea of this episode was uh, Gavin's idea to take over all of Critter Country, formerly known as Bear Country, formerly now known as Critter Country because now it's known as Sherwood Forest. And it would allow you the opportunity to walk into Nottingham, 
Uh, the the hungry bear would be repurposed into the Studalali, <laughs> and the yeah. maitre d would be Little John. <laughs> Best pun of all of the armchair Imagineering <laughs> episodes, right there. <clears throat> if there was a certificate and or award for that one, you you just won, <laughs> Gavin. The new attraction replacing Winnie the Pooh would now be from the point of view of Skippy the Rabbit. So it would be Skippy's big adventure, kind of going backwards from what we see Pooh. You know, it ends with his birthday, but this would start with Skippy's birthday and kind of work its way backwards. And then, of course, the retheming of Splash Mountain to Robin Hood's Great Escape. At the very top of Splash, you would see the castle. It would be hidden with a bunch of trees so that you can't see it from the rest of New Orleans Square. So that from the Haunted Mansion, from other areas of New Orleans, you don't see it. And you only truly see it from within Sherwood Forest. I think of uh, of all the ideas that we've had, this is one of the most cohesive ideas that just fits so well in the element that it was designed for. And uh, I-, I love it. I, I think yeah. a lot of the listeners really connected with this idea as well, especially considering that it's a property that's loved by a lot of people and isn't represented at all, right? really, inside right. of any of the parks. Yeah, I wanted to give Robin Hood some love, and I may have gone a little overboard, but uh, (laughs) it just kept uh, snowballing. You know, it kept rolling into one after another of those areas of Critter Country, and it just seemed to make sense that it could all be themed on Robin Hood because it's such a rich landscape. Uh, You know, the, the legend of Robin Hood itself is is so iconic and Disney's treatment of it with anthropomorphizing all these forest creatures and, you know, putting that amazing music to it, uh, which is country music. So it kind of gives a little bit of an homage to the country heritage of that area. And I don't know, it all just kind of seemed to work for me. And, you know, the, we've talked about the topic of song of the South on this show and, as careful as we want to be with our words about it, it's just a problematic topic. So just taking that topic out of the park uh, seemed like a smart move to me. Uh, you know, Robin Hood is is beloved and, you know, as far as I am aware, uncontroversial. And so I, I think it's a it's an upgrade on that level. And yeah, I I just had fun with that one, man, because I am a passionate fan of that movie i think it is the single most underrated disney film of all time and i stand by that i think it is quite perfect and uh yeah i i wish it was in the park this one i think you had like the most fun (laughs) even with like the puns yeah yeah what is it even with the beer puns yeah Yeah. that was awesome (laughs) that was awesome if anything, that has to happen. <laughs> I I mean, the presentation, all of it, I mean, dude, A++, you're, that was, it was good. Thanks. It, it was <laughs> a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, man. So that's it. That's all 11 armchair Imagineering episodes. And even in this episode, we got a chance to armchair Imagineer our armchair Imagineering ideas. Heck Yeah. Because we still had a chance to go back and revisit, make some modifications. 
uh, like I said, it was really great having a chance to go back and listen to them because it showed me how insane I can be. Uh, <laughs> it also showed me how even Gavin can fall into the trap of just completely demolish. Well, not necessarily demolishing, but completely redoing something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there was so many great ideas that came out of this. I'm looking forward to everything that we come up with in 2020. This uh, idea, um, yeah, I, I've just been so happy with it. Gavin, mm-hmm. uh, tip of the hat to you, sir, for coming up with this concept and, yes. and rolling out this armchair Imagineering part of the, the podcast. Thanks, dude. It, it's uh, my favorite part of the podcast for sure. I, I like when we get creative and we start brainstorming together. Uh, so it's something that should definitely continue. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, what is the number one thing that we didn't armchair Imagineer this year that you want to definitely armchair Imagineer next year? Ooh, I know. I know I've got a couple on the table that I want to (laughs) do. I've said it before. I think we should just go crazy and armchair Imagineer Disney Plus because I have some ideas there for programming. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think it's high time we tackled Hollywoodland and yes. yeah. finally decided yes. what's going to happen there. They already took our advice and created a beautiful new facade for um, Philhar Magic. So thank you, Imagineering. Yep. Um, our, we will update you with our addresses so that those paychecks can uh, make it to us. Uh, Direct deposit is fine, by yeah, the way. Yeah, either way. Uh, But that to me is the big challenge of DCA. So I think we should do that one for sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what begins to to pan out once Avengers Campus is open. Because Mm -hmm. Hollywoodland is one of those areas where they kind of are using it as a fallback Mm -hmm. for Marvel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so once Avengers Campus is open, it's going to be interesting to see what a ghost town it becomes. Yeah, it's going to for sure. Um, Speaking of new lands, I think next year sometime after we've had Rise of the Resistance for a little bit, we should just go ahead and jump into Galaxy's Edge and start coming up with new ideas. There's there's tons of room. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, we've, we've, shared some of our ideas with all of you now as far as what we want to talk about in 2020 we've mentioned it before but now we want to hear from you what are some of the things that you want us to talk about in 2020 and even if they don't become armchair imagineering episodes they might fit into like a monthly segment of other episodes that you know we can talk about so join the conversation tell us what you want to hear about over on Instagram, Facebook, or on Twitter. Just search for Podcateers. You can also leave a comment on the blog post for this episode over at podcateers.com slash 288. And we'd love to hear from all of you. If you want to send us a quick voice message, if you don't want to type anything up, feel free to use the voice memo on your phone and then send that audio file to comments at podcateers.com. You may even hear that comment on a future episode, which we've done before. Yeah, that's it. I think that's going to wrap up the episodes for 2020. Uh, I wanted to send a quick shout out to a few people uh, on Instagram. Uh, I want to send a quick shout out to Disney lover 
1216. Uh, when we were talking about the armchair Imagineering episodes, she responded that the animatronic Walt and the Cherry Tree Lane ideas were some of her favorite this year. Drew PDX said that adding Pocahontas to the canoes was a, one of his favorites and that he loves the armchair Imagineering episodes. Um, Amazing Brian commented Critter Country or Zootopia. Uh, I still think that I, I, we didn't really mention it because we talked about some of the top ideas, but Zootopia, you know, was one of those ideas that we proposed for Critter Country. But man, that Robin Hood idea, dude, just mm-hmm. bringing Sherwood Forest, that just, just trumped everything. Just agreed. Uh, okay. Well, thank you everyone for listening as always. Uh, I know we've said it before, but you know, we do this podcast because we love talking about Disneyland and whether we were recording it or not, we'd still be talking about it with each other. You uh-huh. know, the the coolest part about this is that we get a chance to talk about it and then share our thoughts with all of you. So, without you, this podcast wouldn't exist. So, we just want to thank you for an amazing 2019, an amazing decade. That was the the teens of the 2000s as we're entering uh, 2020 next year. Uh, We want to say a huge thank you to the FGP squad because without the FGP squad, these episodes would have ceased to exist quite some time ago. Uh, you know, I'm, I won't get into the whole story. I've talked about it before, but you know, the FGP Squad essentially saved the podcast from its demise several years ago. So the FGP Squads hold a very special place. I'm getting choked up in my heart. <laughs> uh, so huge thank you to everyone on the FGP Squad. FGP Squad is, of course, our podcast fairy godparents. And uh, if you like the podcast and you want to be part of the FGP Squad, you can find more information on how you can sign up for a one-time contribution or a monthly contribution via Patreon by going to podcateers.com slash FGP. Uh, I know we've been talking about doing a live stream for you guys, and I just want to say I'm sorry and thank you so much for your patience. Uh, as you guys know, we've gone through some changes in our family. You know, uh, it was a really tough few months uh, leading into this holiday season with my grandfather passing away and everything. And uh, it, it's been kind of difficult to juggle everything and still be able to do a lot of the things that I want to do. Uh, it wasn't until this week that I caught up with some mailing that I had to do for products that people purchased, for auction items that people purchased. So to everyone that, uh, you know, I, that fell into those categories. I just want to say thank you so much for your understanding. I really appreciate you. Um, Team Boat Willie did amazing this year. I, I can't thank all of you enough for all of the help with uh, our fundraisers for Chalk, for Walk for Hope. Uh, next year, we want to keep doing that. Hopefully, we are able to add a couple more charities next year. We talked about possibly doing a charity toy drive for Christmas this year. Uh, Again, unfortunately, with everything that was happening, it kind of shifted some plans around. But that's still an idea that we want to execute on next year. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just want to keep building it. Team Boat Willie is something that all three of us have been very passionate about in our own ways, helping out different organizations 
even if it's not a big effort like we've done with uh, Chalk, Walk for Hope, little things like Gavin donating a portion of the proceeds of all of the things that he sells on his website, or you can also find them by going to podcasters.com slash gear. You know, every piece of art that he sells, he donates a portion of that to the Orangewood Foundation or a different charity every year. So Melissa also has different organizations that she supports with uh, the things that she she sells and uh, all of us. I think we just love what we do. We're thankful that we're in a place where we can help other people and we're just going to keep doing it. We're going to yep. keep growing and with your help, we can help a lot more people. Uh, yeah, I think that's all I got. You guys got anything before we wrap up this episode? Just wanted to wish everybody happy holidays, Feliz Navidad, happy Hanukkah, joyous Kwanzaa, everything because it's all going to start after this episode. Yeah. Or actually, Hanukkah's already started, so <laughs> continue the party. <laughs> yeah, keep it going. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, yep. I did all that, uh, just uh, sending out good vibes to everybody. Uh, the thing that I love about Podcateers is that we're all about the positivity, about the magic that we all celebrate in this crazy, weird, fantastical machine that is Disney um and the fact that we can all escape into this and you know just have fun together is what it's all about so Mm -hmm. happy holidays to my podcast fam all right so with that it's time to wrap up this episode it's the last episode of the year and the last episode of the decade so until next year (laughs) keep dreaming keep moving forward and always remember to pass on the magic Have a wonderful week, everyone. Bye. Made you look.